What up, Long Beach? We have no time to gild the lily this week because tonight the Lakers and the Warriors. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Wrong one. Wrong one. We're talking high school football playoffs, the position of where they could be, and what should happen with Long Beach Poly football in the Moore League. I am JJ. He is Mike. He is Tyler. We are getting into this podcast each and every week as part of what we do at the 562.org. Get involved there. Leave your comments anywhere on social media. Hit that subscribe button up in the top right hand corner of the page. Tyler, please let them know a little bit more about that subscribe button. That's my cue. A little behind the show. Anytime someone says my name, that means it's my turn to talk. Yes, the subscribe button on the 562.org uh, is the best way to support the work that we do here at the 562. As I'm sure many of our listeners already know, we are a nonprofit. Uh, media outlet here in Long Beach. And so we do rely on community support and having that reliable, consistent support of being a Patreon subscriber is uh, one of the best ways to support our work. So head to the website, the562.org, click that subscribe button and um, and chip in what you can to help uh, to help local sports coverage. Everything that you donate is tax deductible. And I also got to shout out our sponsors. Thank you, uh, of course, as always, to Naples Rib Company, sponsor of everything that we do at the 562. Shout out to Ocean Law Center as well, uh, and all of our school and sports sponsors. Um, we've done uh, a really great job filling all that up this year. You've seen at the start of our videos and the start of all of our stories, uh, the thank yous that have gone out um, to the sponsors of particular schools or sports. Uh, we still have some great sports available to be sponsored. If you want to, to chip in, get your, your business's name out there or your own name out there, as someone who cares about local sports coverage, we're looking for basketball sponsors, um, also looking for baseball and softball, wrestling, lacrosse. There, there's a lot of great options out there. So send us an email, uh, tyler at the562.org, uh, or you can send one to Mike or JJ, whoever you may know best, because uh, we are all out there in uh, various pockets of the community. But yeah, make a tax deductible donation to the 562 and help us grow and expand the work that we're doing which includes our internship program. We'll have an announcement about that very soon. We're excited to get another class of high school interns started and you can look out for their coverage starting very soon. Excited for those interns, excited for this high school football postseason that is just around the corner. Mike, you did an incredible job breaking down the playoff scenarios, that story available right now at the 562.org. And that's hard to do because there's a lot of ins and outs and what have you. It, it's almost harder to predict these CIF playoffs as it is to pronounce Yevgeny Kafelnikov. Oh, my. Yeah, I wouldn't want to try and do the second one. I'll leave that to you. Yeah, I'll be the playoff scenario guy. You be the I'm getting guy. How about that? Is that where I'm going? Built a fish? Yeah. So, you know, we're just kind of going to discuss the article. So if you'd rather, if it's easier for you, depending on what type of learner you are, if you're more of a visual learner, you can go and read the article. But if you'd rather hear us talking about it and breaking down these scenarios, we're going to do that. And then as JJ mentioned, we'll talk about what playoff divisions uh, teams are going to end up in, and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about Polly and the Moore League uh, as well. And if you like jokes, this is the spot for the jokes, too. Right. Yeah, the article is not very funny. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> classically, Mike likes jokes, but this is where you have them. Well, yeah, we got to do a read along. In a college time machine today, Tyler. <laughs> do, do, a, do a read along, Mike, where you choose, like, ding, right. turn the page. Yeah, okay. read along your article. So the, the, your takeaway line is this. There are two weeks of high school football left in the regular season, all but one team still alive for the playoffs. Um, that has not happened. This is the new era of parity in the Moore League. Uh, we saw last year a three-way tie for third place. We had never seen that before. Um, so this is a, a really exciting time. Like I said, basically everyone's got something to play for. 
Um, and it's, that's exciting. I mean, it's great know, looking at this schedule for the next two weeks, knowing that everyone's kind of still got some skin in the game. And we haven't had that a lot recently in local football. I think the last few years, the last month has just been kind of like, okay, where are they going to fall? Not who's actually going to make it. The, 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 back in the day when there were four, four of the seven teams getting into the playoffs, I feel like that fourth place spot, you and I were the kind of sickos who are really into that in like 2008 Ooh, those, or nine. Those you know? Jordan Wilson games were hot fire. But since they went to three teams, typically we get six and zero oh, Polly, five and one Milliken, four and two. Take your pick. <laughs> and so this year we do have this uh, this potential logjam. But let's go through it team by team. Uh, if you're Long Beach Polly, you've already clinched a share of the More League Championship. Uh, you're not going to find any celebrating of that fact, obviously, <laughs> over there. But they have clinched a share of the More League title, and presuming they finish with wins over. Uh, Compton and Jordan. It will be their first undefeated regular season since 2008 at 10 and 0 uh, going into the playoffs. So that's kind of where we expect to put Polly. We're going to assume some results here for the sake of making this a streamlined and more informative conversation. The real key to all of the rest of the teams, because Wilson, Milliken, Lakewood, Compton, and Jordan are all still alive for the playoffs. The big key is the Wilson and Lakewood game that Tyler and JJ are covering on Friday. I think maybe after we talk about Wilson and Lakewood, maybe you guys can say a little bit about that game. But what it comes down to is this. Everyone is rooting for Lakewood, except for Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) If Wilson wins, they will finish the regular season because they have a bye the last week at four and two in the Moore League. The only other team that could get to four and two is Milliken, which we expect that Milliken will based on uh, their remaining opponent, which is Cabrillo. Milliken's on a bye this week. If Wilson and Milliken tie for second place at four and two, Wilson, by virtue of a forfeit over forfeit win over Milliken, would have the tiebreaker and be the two seed from the Moore League. Your more second place Wilson Bruins. Go back two weeks and say that to somebody. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. And just more Did not see that coming. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. We're deeply enmeshed in the community, as JJ has mentioned uh, earlier in the show. I have heard from multiple groups of Wilson alums who are actively working to try and get the entire coaching staff wiped out at that school like two weeks ago. And they could end up as the second place team in the Moore League. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's pretty dramatic, man. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, so, usually, you don't, usually you don't see teams uh, lose their first five games and then get second place. But Well, and it wasn't just that they were losing the five games either. I mean, JJ came back from one of those games and was like, they're a long ways away. And he was right. I, you know, I mean, you look at the uh, you look at what they put on film the first couple of weeks of the season. For them to come out and get that win over Jordan – now, obviously, it's the forfeit win over the Milliken that really makes these standings be right. kind of as weird as they right, are. Right, 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 um, right. But it, it comes down to that. Wilson, other than Polly, is the only other team that controls their destiny. If they beat Lakewood, they will be four and two. They will be the second place from the Moore League, second place team from the Moore League. Assuming a Milliken win over Cabrillo, which we're going to, they would be tied. Those would be your three automatic playoff bid teams into the playoffs. Polly number one, Wilson number two, Milliken number three. Um if Lakewood beats Wilson, that's where everything gets very crazy because then we have a very real possibility that Milliken will still finish at four and two. They're still going to beat Cabrillo and be the second place team now. Now there would be a log jam for third, presuming how the Compton Lakewood game goes, where you could have Wilson, Lakewood, Compton, Jordan's not going to most likely obviously beat Polly. We're going to assume that as well, but you could have a three-way tie for third place. Just like we had last year, 
just like last year that goes to an envelope draw. And we just like that. last year, and just like last year, we're rooting for the teams that don't have a 500 record to pull the correct envelope, therefore leaving the teams that do have a 500 record, possibly Compton, to then get into the playoffs as an at-large. That's a, that's a hundred percent correct because that's exactly what happened last year. Just to break that envelope draw down for you briefly, Lisa Omer, the more league secretary will have three envelopes in those envelopes will be written the name of one of the schools. One of the teams will draw an envelope, whatever name is written in that envelope is eliminated from the tiebreaker. And then whoever won the game between the two remaining teams gets the third place spot. So that's the way that that shakes out. Yes, Tyler. Um, wouldn't Compton have the tiebreaker over both of the teams since they would have in that scenario have beaten Wilson and Lakewood? They, they so would wouldn't but, Compton but get third place. They would, but my understanding. Yeah, you have to the pull three-way it tiebreaker is that they're even no matter what. Yeah, yeah. We we had go, we got messed up by that a couple years ago. I remember. Yeah. So Unless even with the head-to-head, head. I believe so. They may yeah. have amended the bylaws on that, but there was a year where JJ and I assumed, well, this team beat these two other teams, and they said, no, 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 no. No, we pull by the bylaws, and obviously those two other schools are going to check the bylaws. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. it's just a little bit. It, yeah, it's just a little bit tricky because it usually implies that okay, they may not have beaten you, but they have a win against someone else higher in the standings, which is true in this case, but only by the result of a forfeit. So Correct. it creates this very odd logjam. So Compton could really be getting kind of um, the most hard done by in that scenario. If yeah. The only reason they aren't a playoff team in third place based on their results Correct. was the forfeit result out completely out of their control. Which would also not be the first year that a forfeit result decided who is and who is not going to the playoffs. Correct. Um, so <laughs> to continue down the path here. This Lakewood, is why we should flip coins, people. This is why we should flip coins. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 we've had this discussion. If we end up with an envelope draw, we can talk about it next week. I like the envelope draw for two reasons. Number one, it's much better. It, I, I think that it's good TV. It's good video for us to film the envelope draw as opposed to a series of coin flips. I like the envelope draw for that reason. I also like that it does include somewhere the result of a game played on the field. Now it's chance which team is removed from the equation. um, But at that point there is the result, uh, you know, on the field. So there's something to that. Um, Okay, let's go down the list here. Lakewood is the other team that controls their own destiny. If they beat Wilson Friday, very possible. If they beat Compton the following Friday, very possible. They would finish at four and two. They would be in a tie for second place with Milliken. Milliken would get the two seed because they beat Lakewood. Lakewood would get the three seed uh, by losing that tiebreaker uh, with Milliken. If they go one and one, It'll be that three and three log jam uh, as long as they're beating Wilson, uh, you know, to, to sort of open up this tiebreaker for third place. Compton needs Lakewood to beat Wilson. Um, but if they don't, and presuming that they lose to Polly, Compton will still basically be playing for the playoffs in the last week because if they lose to Polly and beat Lakewood, they would finish five and five, which would give them a shot at an at large bid. Jordan. Uh, needs to beat Cabrillo, basically, and that would put them at 500, even with a loss to Poly. That would make them uh, eligible for that at-large bid in the playoffs. Jordan is not going to really be in uh, this tiebreaker for an automatic spot at all, unless they were to beat Cabrillo doable and Poly less doable. Cabrillo, as I mentioned, there's only one team eliminated from playoff contention, that is Cabrillo. Uh, and then looking briefly over at St. Anthony in the Del Rey League, 
Um, they also control their destiny. If they win out there in the playoffs, if they go one and one, they could still be in the playoffs, but they're going to need some other results to kind of break their way. So that's, that's the way that. So everybody, every, everybody got that. There will be a test. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of meaningful games left is I think what we can kind of sum it, you know, sum it up as, and I think especially for Compton, like they are, they are a little bit dependent on, like you said, Mike, everyone's kind of rooting for Lakewood except, except for Wilson. So yeah. Compton certainly wants Lakewood to win. Milliken wants Lakewood to win. But the interesting thing for Compton, if it does go to an envelope draw based on how the envelope draw works, they would still have a two thirds chance. Like they would have a better chance Unless their name than the gets other drawn. two teams. So the only way that Compton doesn't go to the playoffs in an envelope draw is the scenario in which their envelope gets picked. So they have a 66.3% chance could happen. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> but that's important to remember if you're a Compton fan, like even if it does go to the envelope draw, the odds would be more in your favor than in a conventional envelope draw Good setting. Point. It's just a weird uh, format to have that happen. But basically for Compton, they got to control what they can control. I, I, as we pointed out, like a, a win over Polly does not seem likely, but if they can get through that game, and this is what Calvin Bryant kind of told his team, like we still have everything to play for. We got two weeks, nice. you know, let's, you know, let's get through that game. Let's make sure we're healthy. Hopefully they can get their quarterback and linebacker back Ava Lilo Mayava. And then at that point, if they can beat Lakewood, which they did last year, then that would give them um, an opportunity. It's all, it's all, it's all in front of all these teams. And that's, what's so exciting about this. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, like everyone kind of has something to play for. There's also the fact that, you know, Wilson coach Scott Meyer told his team last week, playoff start. If, if we went out, we're in the playoffs and he was right. So they won. Now it's the same thing for them this week. Lakewood, it's the exact same situation. You got two. Now for Wilson, it was three games left in the season for Lakewood is two. win this week and win next week. You're guaranteed third place in the more league and you're in the playoffs. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. You want to win a CIF championship? You're going to have to win those four games no matter what in the playoffs. They're just adding two onto the front end of it, basically. So you yeah, see, the playoffs have already started, sort yes. of. If, yeah. And you've seen the intensity. <laughs> if you watch that Wilson Jordan highlight, you've seen teams understand that. The intensity has ratcheted up enormously, and we're just going to see more of that. That Lakewood-Wilson game this Friday, I think, is going to be crazy. I'm I honestly a little bit jealous that you guys get to go see that. Well, well, I, hope, well the, I hope it's another sellout, right? I mean, they sold out the poly game. I know there's more, a little more tradition with there, but it's homecoming for Wilson. I hope that's a sellout crowd and we get some really good energy. Go ahead, JJ. Consider the quality as well. It, it's been a long time since we've looked at more than half of the league and said, that's a better football team that I watched in the preseason or even just a few weeks ago. For a long time recently, the depth of these teams has caused them to basically limp into the playoffs. We didn't see that last year. Guess what happened? four Long Beach teams make it to championship games, right? And now you look at a team like Wilson and a team like Lakewood, they really struggled out the gate, but now a development of their, uh, of their running game and also, you know, kind of shoring up some of their spots on defense, making sure kids are in the right, right places, good places to, uh, to succeed. But Wilson and Lakewood are better than they were last week than they were the right. week before that. And we just haven't seen that in a long time. So that's also exciting for local football. I think the other thing you, you mentioned just on the improvement, I just want to shout this out. I think really all of these teams are better than they were last year as well. I mean, I, I think Compton's one of the only teams you'd say just health-wise, maybe struggling a little bit more than they were last year, but Polly's better than they were last year. Milliken's better than they were last year. Wilson, Lakewood, Jordan, to me, are all better than they were last year. Cabrillo's much better than they were last year. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and I, that's great. You know, um, St. Anthony took a little bit of a step back this year because they basically graduated their entire team that played last year. So they're kind of building for the future again, but um, they've I've also gotten better every week. Growth. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great point too. But I think, you know, you just look at Wilson and Lakewood both have such a better idea of who they are offensively. Um, and, you know, you can play as hard as you want defensively, but in a football game in 2022, I don't care if it's the NFL or high school football, um, unless you're playing the Denver Broncos, you're not winning by scoring 17 points. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have to score a couple touchdowns and make some plays. And now that they have a better idea of how they're going to do that, um, I think this game is coming at the perfect time. I think if they played three weeks ago at the start of the league schedule, I don't think this is nearly as interesting a game, to be completely honest with you. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's, it's definitely yeah. This is the this is the time to play it. We're excited to cover it. Oh, here, but, here's the, here's the, yeah. Here's the good sequitur, right? It, are these teams better because they had to play Long Beach Poly? <laughs> Take it well, away. No, let's Mark. talk about the playoff division. Let's talk, let's talk about the playoff divisions first. Yeah, let's once they get the, in, where are they going? Yeah, let's. So, and and that is a really interesting question. We've been getting nonstop since last year, basically questions about where Poly is going to fall. They've been number four since the second week of the season since they beat Sarah. They've been number four in the Southern Section. Um, for those who are just kind of tuning in for the first time in the last couple of years, the way that the CIF Southern Section football playoffs get put together now is literally just by taking the Cal Preps ratings and slicing them into divisions. So with no uh, coaches input with no advisory committee, the way that every other sport in the Southern section has, um, they do have an advisory committee, but they're basically just chopping it up. One through eight is division one, one plays eight, two plays seven, three plays six, four plays five, uh, nine through 25, whatever, 24 is division two. And it's seeded the same way one through 16. They didn't used to seed these playoffs so that one was playing 16, two was playing 15. They just tried to put it in based on where people finished in the league. Um, and you know, this, this new system resulted in a lot of raised eyebrows from poly fans and from other division four fans about the Jackrabbits being in division four last year, but based on their record and their strength of schedule, that's where the ratings had them was in division four. They cruised through that division as expected. Um, and then this year they're number four. So they're currently in the top half of division one, which means they would be at home. If the playoffs started today, they would be number four hosting number five mission Viejo. The problem for Polly, and we have been waiting all year for this to come up, is that the Moore League is officially beginning to drag them down. They beat Cabrillo 49 to 0 on Friday. There was a running clock requested for the start of the second quarter, and Polly's rating dropped 1.7 points in these Cal Preps rankings, meaning that they are now just 0.2 points above Mission Viejo, 0.4 points above Los Sal at number six and 0.9 points above Chaminade at number seven. Now, keep those teams in the same order. If they fall under Mission Viejo, Polly now travels to Mission Viejo. If they fall under Los Al, Polly now travels to Corona Centennial. If they fall under Chaminade, and again, they fell 1.7 points this week, and they're only 0.9 points above Chaminade. If they fall under number seven, they would go to St. John Bosco in the first round of the playoffs if they do an eight-team division one. The undefeated Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits visiting the undefeated St. John Bosco High School. Tough. And in one because they lost to modern day. Oh, sorry. Yeah, one, and one. A little bit better, little bit better lost than. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, Ridiculous. So, look. I, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of stuff flying around about this. I, I know uh, a lot of the poly people aren't real happy about it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by offering something that uh, I, I will have to answer for 
a couple of times, at least I'm sure this week, and that I think you guys will probably disagree with. I don't think that this is wrong to if we see them slide down in Division One. I think that this is a good playoff format. I think it was very good to the Long Beach teams, including Polly last year. But well, but real quick, Mike, what you're saying is falling. When you say the word falling, what you're referring to is the quality of the schedule host them playing the teams that they played. How well other teams are doing affects Polly, much in the same way that the quality of the more league, like playing a team like Cabrillo, winning by that margin with the running clock, doesn't mean what it used to mean as a victory. It does mean more because of what Cabrillo is than it would mean what Polly is. So when you say fall, it's not just like, oh, Polly's going to get judged by the team they're playing this week. They're also getting judged by the team, the last eight teams they've played. Yeah. And to put, to put that into, just to explain the ratings a little bit to people, it takes into effect your overall record. It takes into effect your margins of victory. It takes into effect your strength of schedule as JD is referring to which like all strength of schedule uh, propositions changes. Polly was hurt as much by Sarah losing this week as they were by the fact that Cabrillo is ranked number 311. Exactly what I'm saying. Great point, Mike. Yeah. And so, so my pro my, my take is it's a good system. It was very good to the Long Beach uh, uh, football teams last year. That does include Polly. This is not a sacrificing Polly for the sake of Compton and Jordan getting to go to a CIF championship game last year. Polly was in division four last year. They got a CIF championship out of that. And I think when you look at the teams that are poised to jump over them and, you know, listen, I'm going to be just perfectly brutally honest on this. If you compare the more league, to the leagues that, uh, <laughs> that Mission Viejo and Los Allen, Edison, and Chaminade are in, I understand why this is happening, and I don't think that I disagree, to be completely honest with you, um, with a Division One team that basically has at least five gimme games a year being moved out of the top four by this ranking system and into a five or six or seven or eight spot. It makes sense. So I, I understand that part of it that, Polly hasn't faced the consistent competition that other schools have faced. However, if, if your task was let's create the most fair representative competitive playoff bracket, and you removed all of the like understandings of like, Hey, we agreed to this system. This system has merit. It under like, we understand why it was created the way it was remove all of that. Yeah. And you just say, here are the best eight teams. Right. Put them into a bracket. Is there a scenario in which, regardless of what the numbers or the rankings tell you, that you would ever put Mission Viejo ahead of Long Beach Poly, a team that beat them in their own house and did not lose to anyone else? So you're saying if it was sort of a hybrid system where the rating picked the top eight teams and then you handed them to a coaches committee and said, seed these teams one through eight, would anyone put mission over Polly given that Polly beat them? That's what you're saying? Yes. Cause I understand why the, the computers with the strength, the schedule would say all of mission Viejo's games in total yeah. give them a, a higher ranking or rating, which leads right. to a ranking than over Polly. But given the additional information and the fact that like one team didn't lose to anyone and beat the other team and right. didn't beat them in Long Beach, beat them in Mission Viejo with Orange right. County officials and all that stuff. 
um, you know, not, I, not to I say the officials actually, did anything with the game, but you get my point. Yeah, I'm actually going to say that I do think that there were scenarios where stuff like that happened. It was just always written about as a particularly sort of um, uh, edgy decision, you know, but I can very much see because there was still a formula at play in the old system. And I could very much see me talking to a couple of people we know on the advisory committee and them saying, um, rank the good wins by these teams. Polly has the best win. They beat Mission Viejo. Mission Viejo has the four next best wins. You know, Mission Viejo beating uh, Sierra Canyon 41 to zero, beating San Clemente, who's ranked 40.8 and would be the second best team in the Moore League, 49 to 14. Those wins are two and three. So it's like a cross country race. Did your guy win? Yes. But on an aggregate of how we would evaluate these schedules, it's difficult for me to rank this team over this. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that I think that would happen in a routine way, but I do think that there were times that that happened with Trinity League schools and people would write about it. And as you guys know, the CIF people would go, well, this is the formula here and here and here and here. And I, I do, I do think that there is a case to be made for that. Um, even if there were, a change to be made here, but I just, there's no other team like Polly to compare them to everyone else. That's a division one team is either in a good league or got themselves into a good league. Sarah was in a really bad league. Now they're in the mission league. They played division one and two teams weekend and week out. And obviously look, when we were at the press telegram, which was not that it's- long ago, five years ago, you have the San Gabriel Valley league and the suburban league. All those leagues blew themselves up too. So that the good teams play each other every week and the bad teams play each other every week. The Moore League is the only league like itself that has a Division I caliber team in first place and a team that is currently ranked number 305 out of 360 in seventh place. There's just no way to like compare what those wins mean against each other, I think. Right, but what I don't like is when you tell teams going into a season that you have no chance at doing something. So basically what you're saying is you look at Long Beach Poly in the eye and you say, hey, guys, you guys can win all of your games, take care of business. You have zero chance at hosting a first round playoff game this year. No shot. I don't think unless you intentionally lose. Yeah, and the more league is so bad, you get bumped to division two, then you, then you would get to host a game. But you're saying it's out of their control because you're saying that their schedule wasn't good enough and what they can't control their schedule once it's already made, once right. they show up for week one, it's right. over. It's already, the cards are already laid out on the table. So you're saying, oh, you, you, it may have been only the second time in school history that you beat Mission Viejo, but you should have beaten them by more. That was the, <laughs> that's no, the only no, thing no, I would no, do. But, you really got to blow right. them out if you no, want but to. Let, but let me, let me, let me make it. Let yeah, me, I don't think me, that would even do it. Let me, but let me make a counterpoint to you. Polly put together a schedule. This is, this is my thesis. And I tried to, I talked to Stephen Barbie about this a little bit. He, you know, he does not like to talk on the record about the playoff stuff. It's like, we can't control it. They put us where they put us. We're going to try and win the game right. no matter what. Sure. He put together a division one schedule. There's no question he put together a division one schedule. Win those games. And this, this ranking system is going to look at you and say, I don't care what league you're in. You are going to the division one playoffs. And that's going to happen. There is no scenario that I can see where they fall to nine or 10 or 11. So they're going to be in division one. He put together a division one schedule. He did not put together a top four team in the Southern section schedule. And Cause he wasn't able to, right. Unless they're playing modern day or Bosco. Oh, well, I, okay. So this is not a visual podcast, but Mike just gave me some kind of look. <laughs> I think it's possible that there was a game against one of those teams that was okay. available. Okay. 
And if you want to be ranked two spots or one spot, which is where they are right now, they're two spots below St. John Bosco. It, I don't think it's preposterous to say that you would be expected to compete on that level. So theoretically, but but one of the Morley games was replaced with a game against Bosco and Polly lost that game. Would they be punished less in the overall strength of schedule? Yes. Yes. Okay. I just wanted, to, and, I wanted and, everybody else to hear that. And while you don't have control over your league schedule, you do actually have control over what league you are in, as Artesia has shown us, as mate, right? As a lot of these schools, as Sarah has shown us, you can But not on a year-to-year basis. Like, they were right. already in the Moore League. They're not but, my, but my point is, you know, I'm not buying any argument that it's a surprise to anyone at Poly where the Moore League teams are ranked. This is where the Moore League teams have been ranked, and that is why Rob Wygod had the idea for this system. They have been ranked in this way. <laughs> for decades right and yeah, so it's just, but, it's just silly it just seems silly to me that it's like in order to be in the top four you have to beat two of the top four i don't think that you have to order to get into four. it you but just let, have to but play let, them but let, but let's but let's well I don't need you look but but let's let's look at the let's let's look at Polly's schedule you play Mission Viejo. You're currently ranked uh you know 60 69 whatever i said it was Mission Viejo is ranked 68 that's a great game you play Sarah. You're ranked 69. Sarah's ranked 62. That's a great game. Nice. Now, no, no one, no one knows what those rankings are going to be. I'm, I'm not suggesting that anyone have that pinpointed. But is it a surprise to anybody that Sarah is is ranked high or Missions ranked high? No. Is it a surprise to anyone that Clovis is three and five and with a rating of 36? Will they have a first year coach and they graduated all of their players? and they're playing a freshman who's never played high school football at quarterback this year, you're getting this first game. It's not a surprise to me that they're ranked how there. Long, how, long, how long did Polly uh, work to find that game? Um, there were other games on the table. Lutzinger currently ranked, <laughs> currently, currently ranked 28. Is that a surprise? It's right where they were ranked last year. And so, again – But that game was but that game was scheduled maybe three years ago when they agreed to play each other. So now you're having to be a prognosticator two years in advance of what teams are going to be with all the transfers. I believe this injuries. is, a new, I believe I, I may be wrong. I believe this is a new contract. I believe they finished that contract out last year and they liked the game, but let's be honest. They liked that. That's a competitive, but winnable game. That is a, effectively playing Milliken again. And if you're trying to beat Milliken again, a team that you haven't lost to in 13 years as the criteria, not for being in division one, but for being a top four team in division one, it's difficult for me to buy that as a, oh, we didn't know that this was going to happen or whatever. Like you put two games in your non-league schedule that I think everyone in Southern California knew you're going to win. And you're already taking to start the season off that you're going to win six games in the more league. So it's just difficult for me to buy a like, we're being hard done by here argument. If you effectively put two games on your schedule where the result is in question. That's Here's difficult a, for me to buy that as a top four schedule and performance, even at 10 and up. But I, I also think that the CIF and, and nothing uh, personal against the CIF, but the way the brackets come out, it's sort of talking out of both sides of your mouth because you're saying like, oh, well, you need to schedule more competitive games and you, you need to know how good these teams are going to be so that you're scheduling more difficult games. And then on the other side, turning around and putting out a division one bracket where you're saying, well, you know, they're both, they're all in division one. Like anybody can beat anybody on any given day. So it's like, do you really think that like whoever the number eight team is going up visiting modern day in the first round, do you think that's more of a like, well, you know, it's competitive. 
than Polly playing Lutzinger? I don't really necessarily think so I, I, because I think they're I, uh, in a different echelon. So if you're going to say, well, any given Friday night, you got to put them on the field, go out and win the game. But yeah. then you're also re- revisionist history after the fact saying, well, we all knew that Lutzinger wasn't going to be that good. And we all knew that that was a guaranteed win for Polly and they're scheduling cupcakes. I just feel like you can't. And I'm, really not saying that, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're scheduling cupcakes. I'm just saying they're not scheduling like Corona Centennial played modern day. Corona Centennial put together a schedule to get a first round home game in the division one playoffs. And they did that on purpose. You know what I mean? Polly went to Corona Centennial last year and obviously it didn't go well for them. So I can understand why you would say, Oh, let's have that experience (laughs) again. You know, cause like, is that necessarily helping you be better? And I totally agree. And I thought this was a great schedule that they put together. My only point is I can't say I thought that was a great schedule. And I saw what happened to them last year when they played Corona Centennial. And I think it's an outrage that they're not ranked one spot below that team. In this year's playoff bracket. Like that's the issue to me is the consistency with that feeling. Now, as it turns out, I think it would be a pretty good game if they played Corona Centennial. I am not of the mind that it's modern day Bosco Corona Centennial and then a huge fall off to everyone else. Tyler, you and I saw the scrimmage. Pretty good scrimmage. Yeah. I thought that they looked about even. So, you know, but that's but that's the thing is Corona Centennial goes out and proves that by the schedule that they put together, including playing modern day and having one of the closer games that modern day has played this year. So I, and I think you've got to credit them for that. And I don't think you hold it against Polly. Um, but the fact of the matter is you just mentioned, there's sort of an extreme case uh, on the bracket side of like how good the number one and two team are. Well, Polly's also operating with the ex- extremely extreme case of how uncompetitive the more league is with Polly and with these other teams that are in this division one bracket. Well, you guys keep just, saying I, make a schedule, right? Keep saying make a schedule, but we have to remember they're making half of a schedule. They don't really get to decide what happens between than five and 10, basically less than half of a schedule, right? Unless you're not doing the zero week, which we can talk By about. Remaining in, league, league, remaining in the more league, remaining in the more, which has so, beaten them eight times in the last 42 years. They are participating in saying, this is what we're doing with half our schedule. So if you as Polly could leave the more league grass is always greener on the other side, right? It's a good idea, which they could, they could become a freelance team. They could become a freelance team. They would make their entire schedule. What other league would be like, you know what our league's missing long beach poly high school. Like I don't really see other leagues jumping at the opportunity to bring poly into their league, especially the teams who are conveniently competing for the titles like for example a LaSalle or an Edison if I'm a LaSalle and I'm Edison I would love to play Polly in the preseason when I have a good team absolutely let's get it but I do not want to see Polly every year no thank you well and I also think like and and I think you know um Commissioner Wygod would be sort of like-minded on this because he's really about the you know he's always preached like student experience and and what they're putting on as the CIF sort of upholding traditions and stuff and I don't think the demolition of local leagues is the answer of like, well, we want more like conventionally competitive games. And it's more important to put like the, you know, the star studded teams against each other consistently throughout the season than it is to have local rivalries, than it is to have Polly and Wilson playing each other a hundred years in a row, than it is to have, you know, the, the feeling of like, oh my God, what if this is the year that someone knocks off Polly? Like, I think that's fine that that exists, but I do think we do need to maybe carve out some special considerations to make sure, can we acknowledge, like, it's a good thing that teams are in a league with other schools in their neighborhood, that you can ride a city bus to go see your team play their rival? Isn't that better than saying, like, 
oh, now we have to drive an hour and a half to play someone in our league. Personally, I do yeah. think that's better. And there could be some ways to maybe overcome this. But it is weird because Polly is sort of this unicorn of being a national top 25 while also playing in one of the lowest ranked leagues in in the best section for football in the country. Um, don't at me, Texas. But uh, the other thing I wanted to point out is like, Polly's only path forward. To, I have a response to that uh, that I'm just sort of noting that I'll make that after your next point. Fair yes. enough. <laughs> but but basically, it's I don't like the fact that it's like in order for Polly to get a home playoff game and be in the highest division, they have to give you the playoffs before the playoffs. Like finding out if they're good enough to hang with Modern Day and Bosco should happen when they play Modern Day and Bosco. And why are we doing? Why are we forcing Polly to play a playoff game in the preseason? in order to be in a position to play that game at home in the playoffs. You know what I mean? It just feels like you have to know who the good teams are going to be and you have to schedule them in order to get respect as a good team. You can't just play a top five team in the state and go undefeated. That's not good enough. I think, uh, I think that uh, the one thing I would say about the most recent point that you made is Matt Logan, the coach at Corona Centennial will tell you, and it's the same reason that they scheduled against modern day. He played those guys in the non-league because he wanted a home playoff game. Right. I mean, like that's, and it's not as though it's a secret that that's the calculation. I guess that's sort of my point to the poly people are like, how are they doing this to us? It's like all of these coaches know Stephen Barbie, when they were four and oh, was asking me, where do you, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think the slide is? All the assistant coaches over that, because they know, okay, we're playing in the more league. Our rating is going to go down. Corona Centennial knows if they get a non-league game against modern day, they're in a good league that was recreated as a better league, right? Um, that does still include some regional stuff. They know, okay, this is where that's going to put us. The, the point I would make, because I think you bring up the, the great point to me, Tyler, of like sort of what is the purpose of high school sports? I have a column up today about should Polly leave the more league. Um, and my ultimate conclusion is I would prefer that they not leave the more league. Do I think that that's better for them as a quote unquote football program? It's obviously worse for them to be in the more league in a variety of factors. There's benefits to it, but they're going to run into this situation every year that they're competitive on this level again, which, you know, hopefully for our sake and their sake, they are for quite some time. They're going to run into this problem every year. And they would have run into it every year, almost since 1980, <laughs> just before any of us were born. So Rob Wygod can say uh, he's about the student experience. I think that he is. He can say that he likes regional and historic rivalries. I know that he does. He and I have talked about that a number of times. But the fact of the matter is um, the debate you're basically having, Tyler, is like a mom and pop store versus a globalized economy. And the CIF globalized the, the economy. <laughs> what, are, what are the uh, what, what are those big companies uh, doing for the economy? You know what I mean? Right. Well, fair point. I, <laughs> yeah, fair I point mean, on both I, sides of that analogy. <laughs> waves waves my arms, palms up in right. every direction, and says that I think I'm on the right side of things. For sure, but but, you know. but the fact is, the system was chosen and overwhelmingly approved that interconnects all this stuff. True, and it is just the fact that. I mean, Bob Kaiser has been calling for it for like 15 years that the top half of the Moore League and the top half of the Sunset break apart and form their own league. I believe that's where the 605 League splitting off from the Suburban League, the idea from that came from. It's exactly was, where it came from. Was the top half of the Moore League and the Sunset League go together for football, just football. The bottom half of the Moore League and the Sunset League go together for football. Would that be better for all involved? 
It depends on what you mean by better. I agree with Tyler's point. I would rather see the Long Beach schools play the Long Beach schools and the Huntington Beach schools play the Huntington Beach schools. Would a poly schedule that was Millican, uh, Lakewood, LaSalle, Edison, and Newport Harbor be better than what they played? I, there's not a question or a debate. It would, it would have been better for LaSalle or Edison. And that's effectively what Corona Centennial is in, is in a league that split kind of the top two teams in, North, in, the, in the Inland Empire and put those teams together to be more competitive. So we could talk it over to death. I don't disagree with literally any argument you guys have made, right? Like, you know, it's yeah. just, and it's just like, but the reality is this is the system that we're in. And again, and I said it to the poly coaches, I say it to the kids on the team, whatever. It's difficult for me. We get to week 10, you're sitting there, pretend the rating system doesn't exist. Pretend we're the advisory committee sitting down. It's difficult for me to make a case that this is a, a team that was, hard done by to not be considered a top four team in terms of who they've played and what they've done. Very, very quickly. I read your article, the column specifically that you can find on the 562.org this week. And the only thing I thought of was it could be possible for the Moore League slash Long Beach Unified School District to make sure that Polly's bye week within the league schedule came at a time where they could schedule someone who, you know what I mean? So that they could have the bye week, maybe the first week or the second week or whatever to give them an extra game in a spot that would help them improve their ranking. That is possible. They they could, they could, and just to respond to that point, they could also not ask Cabrillo to play Polly. They could also not, I I mean, we're talking about the, um, you know, we're talking about the, uh, the tradition. And I think that Polly Wilson game, you saw it, it was a sold out game. People were fired up for that game, even though it was 70 to zero, but Wilson was, I believe the sixth place team in the Morley last year. And so that's what you're talking about. If you look at last year's standings and say, we're not going to make the bottom two teams play poly and we're going to let them schedule two better teams so that they have a better chance to be prepared for and get to compete in division one. You're losing a poly Wilson game this year, but I, I did, you know, look, uh, Tyler, go ahead and make your point and we'll talk about that. Well, well, I was also saying then you're running into a shot a situation where poly can only play who agrees to play them. And so is that even going to make things better? It's like, it's a perfect world, but it's like, you're also depending on, this very select few group of teams to agree to play poly on that specific week where they have the buy. And I think the other point is when you're looking at the specifics of the bracket, because I agree with everything you're saying as well, Mike, like we're really just kind of bantering back and forth because there is no right answer here. I don't think, Uh, you know, but when you're looking at the bracket and you're saying Polly's going to be below a team that they beat on the road because the rest of their schedule didn't match up. Obviously that looks a little like fishy to the eye and it's also weird. It's also, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's also weird that, you know, objective outside observers can say Polly's a top 25 team in the nation, but not a top four team in their own <laughs> division or that they don't deserve a home playoff game. So it's like someone is using the eye test and the results yeah. to say, we think this team is of a certain caliber. The right. computers don't. And then we're saying like, well, we're going computers, which I understand the logic behind doing that. It's just a. Uh, and it's worth noting that computers did. The computer, when they finished their non-league schedule, the computer said, this is a number four team. And there was a pretty big gap between them and number five. The problem is mm-hmm. what happens for the next month and a half? <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, and, and I, and I, but I, but you, I mean, you hit that on the head. Like this is the, the thing with them and mission is sort of the specific thing. And I thought there was maybe going to be a column in that. That's like, Hey, maybe there should be an override here for a game where there's a head to head result. But the more I'm looking at the numbers, I don't think that is going to be what the <laughs> I don't think they are going to be four and five with mission and four and poly at five. It's kind of hard for me to imagine them not falling to a six or seven. So 
we'll, we'll see how all that stuff shakes out. We will continue to put up the Cal preps rankings and kind of chew this stuff over. I do briefly want to mention, since we just ran through the playoff scenarios for the other teams, outside of Poly, Milliken's pretty firmly ensconced in Division Four, which I think is where they're going to end up. Um, they might slip to Division Five with the game against Cabrillo lowering their ranking. Um, but, uh, but outside of that, these teams are in very tasty playoff divisions. If Wilson does end up as the two seed, they are in division 14. And I'm just going to say, based on the level of competition, we saw Jordan and Compton playing in like 11 and 12. Yeah. Just like division last year. 14 is there for Wilson. <laughs> just like last year. Yeah. Which would be probably the most unlikely CIF championship run potentially obviously we're putting the cart miles in front of the horse at this point but like I don't know Polly 2012 might have something to say about that Tyler (laughs) no but that that team had multiple NFL players on it JJ that's they also started one and three (laughs) you can make a good argument in both directions there because the Polly team was much more talented than this Wilson team but the Polly team did also end up beating (laughs) Bishop St. John Bosco in modern day in order which I don't know what people <laughs> in Long Beach would cut off to see that happen again for a long time. Holy Beach cow. <laughs> we could probably get pretty progressed in that conversation. Uh, so, Enter the yeah. fog. Um, but all of these teams as well, you can check the full list of it out at the in our Cal Preps breakdown uh, on the website. But all these teams are going to be in a lot. There's a lot of teams that could be in the playoffs who are in double-digit divisions. Um, and so we'll see – we'll see where they end up. It's going to be very interesting. But that Wilson team in Division 14 – um, could in the way that Polly being in D4 inspired some columns last year, we could have some columns from some teams that play Wilson going, what in the bleep is a football program that has a school enrollment of 4,000 human children doing in division 14 with us, a high school with 250 kids. That was an eight man football team two years ago. <laughs> so we'll see. You. That's we'll the see. These, these, these Long Beach schools could end up being kind of. I mean, it, it's it was the case with Polly last year. It's sort of the case with Polly this year. Could be the case with Wilson this year. They, these Long Beach schools could kind of be the stress tests for this Cal Preps formula. So everybody in the Moore League, by that logic, including Polly and Cabrillo, everybody in the Moore League should just schedule modern day and St. John Bosco in the preseason to bump yourselves down slash up to make sure that you're in the division you think you should be in. Cool. Oh, Yo, no, get on there. Get on there. No, no. Just schedule their like freshman or JV team, right? Get on their Warren tip. <laughs> well, listen, if we're being honest, if we're, if we're being honest, there are a number. I mean, and I'm sorry, you guys know I'm into the numbers. There's a number of ways you could gain this system. And to yes. be perfectly frank, what Jordan has done this year uh, and what it looked like Cabrillo was going to have done this year is the way to game it. If you are in a league schedule that is six teams long, the best thing you can do is to schedule four winnable, maybe challenging, maybe not so challenging, non-league games. And then if you're Jordan, beat Just win Cabrillo. two. Just win two of them. You're good. If you win, if you go four and oh, and you win one league game, you're eligible for an at-large bid in the playoffs. And – if your goal is not to be in division one with a home game, but is to be in a winnable division, scheduling bad teams in the non-league is also a, a flaw in this system that that's potentially a pretty easy way to get to 500. Now, last year, all the teams who did that got in. There's another year of everyone kind of being aware of this this year. So we'll see. Maybe there's going to be way too many 500 teams with low ratings for them to all get in. I don't know. Right. That does not guarantee you a playoff spot. It just gives it you the doesn't, chance. That's the, but like yeah. last year, as we saw with Jordan, you get in as an at-large in a lower division. 
and it works out okay for you. So there, I mean, there are some flaws. Like we happen to have a team that's in the top four, five, six, seven, eight, that's sort of looking at that. But I do think this, this idea of, you know, most teams don't play six league games. Most teams play fewer than that. So if you put together five games against, with all due respect, like a fireball, whoever the teams are on the lower end of this spectrum, you could end up with five games in your non-league schedule and be eligible for an at-large bid. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, is, uh, it is interesting. And we're not really going to have an idea of how that shook out for the local teams uh, until two weeks from now, because I'm not doing the math on where all the 360 teams are with their records. So <laughs> well, we, we will find yeah. out a lot over the next month, not just about local high school football. We're also going to be giving you full comprehensive coverage of CIF volleyball, water polo, tennis, everything going on with local high school sports as we reach the postseason. We'll be at the 562.org right now. In fact, we have a breakdown of the volleyball brackets that were released last weekend. And then in two weeks, it's going to be water polo. So stay tuned for everything CIF playoffs at the 562.org. And obviously, as always, if you have something to say, if you have an opinion about this football situation or the playoffs or whatever, get at us. Any social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, let us know what you think. Get the conversation going. We love that interaction with the community because that's basically what we're talking about. We're talking about the community and the history and where we're going. It's a little bit of a quo vadimus moment right now, and I'm here for it. So for Mike and for Tyler and for JJ and for everybody else who helps get you the Long Beach community news that you need, thank you for listening. Please share this, tell your friends, show up to the game, and we'll see you in the stands.